Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining us here on ESPN Esports, whether you're watching us on Twitch, the ESPN app, Twitter, or YouTube. This is Search and Destroy, our weekly ESPN Call of Duty League program. Later on in the show, we'll be talking about the New York Subliners home series, as well as all that is circulating revolving the new patch and gentlemen's agreements. Uh, we'll start with a quick news item Philip Momo Whitfield uh, has been terminated from his Activision Blizzard contract uh, following an internal investigation of messages he'd sent women in the gaming community. This was announced on Saturday. In a statement, he said, quote, the person I was back then is not the person I am now. I am sorry for my immaturity. I'm sorry for any explicit content or graphic language I used. I'm sorry for any tasteless humor, and I'm sorry to anybody who I've caused offense to or who has suffered in any way as a result of my actions. A full article about this this is available now at ESPN.com slash esports. And now to get the show rolling, I bring in Emily Rand, my usual partner in crime on this program, and also special guest. We always love having him around. It's Easy Mac, baby, the best statistician. At least I'm going to say that because he makes the stats so public in the Call of Duty League. Uh, Easy Mac, Austin, welcome back, buddy. How are you? We can't hear you. You're muted, I believe. Oh, I'm good. <laughs> wow. 0 for 1, man. 0 for 1 already. Just starting uh, off on the right foot. Stats are great. Mike, not so much. <laughs> Just so much. I <laughs> mute myself half the time. It's totally cool, man. <laughs> uh, so it's been uh, pretty eventful for you, my friend. We're going to be talking a lot about what's been on your plate lately. But the first thing I want to get your thoughts on, both of you, in fact, uh, is the fact that the Call of Duty League has announced that the playoffs and championships will be online. I don't think this is a surprise. I think that many people saw this coming, especially how COVID has progressed in North America. Uh, so we have some updates as well. There's going to be a universal camera setup, uh, starting with the New York Subliners home series. So every player will receive a camera setup so that officials, etc., can see everything they need to see at the ready check position. There's going to be an increase in servers uh, in in terms of the playoffs, there'll be more servers to veto. I haven't gotten word yet on whether that... Do you know this, Easy Mac, whether or not the amount of servers around the country will increase, or will it be an increased amount of servers to veto during playoffs? Do you know this? So from my understanding, it was it's a little bit of both. So instead of three servers for a map, it's going to be more, I guess, for the serving or server veto process. So there'll be more... Uh, teams will try out more beforehand and then veto the ones that they don't like and then go from there. But um, I believe they're going to try to add more servers in, but this it's kind of like see how it goes process. So hopefully, because we need more servers on the West Coast to make it more fair for the teams over there. But yeah, it's all, it's all I know right now. Basically, Emily, it, it sounds like anyone who's on the West Coast right now is looking for places to crash in the East Coast. Like, hey, can I move yes. for a couple months? Yeah, it's yeah. actually really unfair uh, right now if you're a team on the West Coast. So that's like, I get why people are so mad. Um, there is no way. I mean, I kind of said this last week. I said what I'm like 99% convinced that it's going to be online. Like I didn't think it was going to be online at all um, based on how the pandemic has gone on in the United States. Um so obviously, like that is out of Blizzard Activision's control. However, what is in their control and what they've had issues with throughout the entirety of the online season is making sure that server there's enough available servers for all teams, regardless of where they are in the United States, and that they can make it as fair of a process as possible. So my thoughts are this sucks, first of all. And then second of all, uh, that they really, really need to make sure that those servers are available, especially for the West Coast teams. 
So I talked yeah. to Saints this week, uh, Easy Mac, and he is, I guess, cautiously optimistic is a good way to put it. Like he's still very concerned about uh, the geographic placements of certain teams. I mean, his team, four of them are in Minnesota. One of them is in Toronto, for example, right? So he's concerned more so that more servers are necessary in key locations. So what, what, what do you, like even just generally the announcement that was made regarding all of this, how did you digest it? So we kind of knew beforehand what was coming, but um, like for servers, for instance, it's, it's kind of tough if your team's all in location because a team like who's spread out going to have a bigger advantage over you. Because like when we like if we play Florida, for instance, we get three server options and we have to veto. So like if Florida's smart, they're going to veto the one that's closest to us, all in Atlanta. But then we can't veto the one that's closest to them because they're so spread out. Like Skies is in uh, Chicago, and the the bunch of their players are all spread out. So. It's kind of hard that like going through vetoes that way, but um, yeah, I mean like teams like us in Minnesota and and even Chicago and Dallas are at kind of at a disadvantage because we're all in one location. So that's kind of where I pick up on the same like cautionly, I'm like cautionly optimistic because it's just kind of tough to make it completely fair. But um, yeah, I, I mean none of the, none of the uh, announcement really shocked me when it came out. Do we? I I know that I was. Definitely one of the last holdouts for this, Emily can tell you, week over week. I, I was holding out on, like, all. Th there's always a debate about, like, what counts as a chip, etc., right? And I always said that at least the World Championship would be considered a chip for many people. But now that it has hit home, and now that we know it's official, I just can't see it. I mean, I know that the money's there. I know that it's still, like, millions of dollars on the line. But I just don't see any other scenario, and correct me if I'm wrong, where we look at this and say, there's going to be an asterisk on this for it, for the rest of time, for this, no, this season. Is, yeah, this is like the equivalent of like a COD XP and like the Doritos Invitational. This is going to be like the same level because like the money's there and it's really, really good money. And like the prize structure is really nice, but uh, it being online and with it being Modern Warfare and with it having with like some of the server issues that we have, it's going to have a big asterisk next to it. And it's not going to be looked the same way as any other tournament. Yeah. I mean, it sucks because like that we've talked about this with when we've talked about Florida's three titles, right. And like how much they matter compared to other titles. And the issue is like, it's all we have. Right. So yes, there's an asterisk and it sucks, but it's also all we have. Let me ask you this before we move off of this topic. Are you glad, this is going to sound like a weird question, but are you glad that all of the online pandemic concerns are happening in a year where the COD release is reviled and not well received at all? Or would you have rather it happened on a game that, do you know what I'm trying to ask you that on yeah, a game that was yeah. a little bit more respected? Like, are you happy it's happening this year? I mean, like, I have a I have a sign back here that says "GA Modern Warfare" the entire game. Um, <laughs> I think, honestly, like if you're if you're saying like, is it is it better that it came like with a game that was already like pre-scuffed, so we can just kind of throw out the entire year almost? Uh, probably. Like, I think I'd probably be a lot more upset if the game itself was better. I'll say that. I would be more upset, but also it would be more manageable, I guess. It would be like better to watch because this this is year one, and like year one's kind of important for the league, even though year one has been completely blown up this year, and it's not going to get any better. But um, 
Yeah, it's not the it's not the end of the world. That's modern warfare, I guess. I mean, the, everyone's making the best of what we have, and you know, the league's trying, the players are trying, the teams are trying, and to be honest with you, most of the tournaments, even though it's modern warfare, like most of the tournaments are actually kind of fun to watch, and you mm-hmm. know, they're always good games. So, I mean, <laughs> we got lemons, we made lemonade with it this year. I mean, <laughs> I'm just looking forward to next year as as much as I can. This is the <laughs> probably the most impressive lemonade that we've ever tasted. <laughs> Also, yeah. Cogpros are, Cogpros are, I feel like Cogpros in the Cog community, like, despite all of the complaining, obviously, right, because there's been a ton of complaining, this is also something that they're used to because they don't get control over what the game is going to be, right? So sometimes you end up with a game like this, sometimes you end up with a game that's really amazing for competitive, and at the very least, I do think the community is already used to that. That's so we- weird, because... This game oh, is right. so close to actually being good. Like the gunplay and everything in it is actually really good. It feels good, but just it's just everything around. Like the, the core is good, but then the, like the rest of the apple is terrible. So it's like yeah. it could have been so much better, and it's just, it's kind of like a huge letdown. Because I remember saying at the beta, like I hate the radar, I hate the public matches, but like the gunplay feels amazing, and I'm mm-hmm. sure they're going to turn it around, and they just well, never did. It's nice that the I core think... is good, but who's eating yeah. the core of the apple? I mean, we talked uh, to players. <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> People like me who want to play, you know, deathmatch on shipment. Um, I I think uh, for any sort of competitive, we talked about this last week, right, with maps. I think maps are honestly the most important thing for competitive. And unfortunately, the Modern Warfare maps are not great. Yeah, with, with good maps, you can make anything happen. And it comes down to uh, we just don't really have any good maps. And, like, even, like, trying to change the map pool, it just doesn't work. And yeah, we, we got unlucky this year. But, I mean, everyone's trying their best. And... That's all we can do. Uh, a little bit later on, we're going to talk about GAs, the sign behind Emily. I love that the sign is there, by the way. It's making it's going to change every week. I'm going to be Woody it. Page with less foaming at the mouth. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. And we're going to do a preview of the New York Subliners Home Series preview. Uh, the one thing I want to get to right now, though, is Emily had a chance to interview Havoc uh, earlier this week. And the full interview is available right now at youtube.com slash ESPN Esports. But here is a clip from Emily's interview with Havoc right now. What do you say to the people who still kind of try to take away from your titles and say like, oh, they're just an online team. They're only winning because they're online, et cetera. Um, it, it's kind of hard to argue because, you know, like we haven't played online as a team. So there is that question. And no one's denying that, but we're still really, really good. And we're showing, like, we're playing the game correctly. Um, you know, we're winning a lot of our gunfights, and I don't think most of it has to do with online. It's just how we're playing the game, um, which can be hard to see from, a, like, a public eye. But I think we're just excited to finally get back on LAN and uh, hopefully soon show what we can do on LAN. And then one last thing I wanted to touch upon before we move to a slight meta discussion is... Uh, one thing I noticed about your team is that your comms compared to every other COD team I've heard in listen-ins are so chill. How do you guys stay so calm? Um, I think the main thing is Frosty. Uh, he, If the comms start getting a little crazy, I think he said this before, he'll tell us, all right, everyone just calm down for a sec. Let's win this game. Let's just talk clearly. Um, and that, that really does help us a lot because everyone needs to know what's going on. So if we're just, you know screaming call-outs, no one's going to know exactly what to do. 
So as I mentioned, that full interview is available on our YouTube channel slash ESPN Esports. Also did an interview with uh, Minnesota Rocker head coach Brian Saint. That is also in its entirety available on our YouTube channel. That This interview, however, brings us to the Florida Mutineers. And you, it, it, it's great to have you for this particular conversation, Austin, because when we've spoken with you in the past on this show, we've really talked at length about how Atlanta are la creme de la creme in, in the Call of Duty League. And I'm not ready to say that they're not, but what I have what I have said, and I will say this to your face too, is that the Florida Mutineers have done enough lately to be the team that I would pick as the favorites going into champs, simply based on their most recent results and how they've performed online since the league moved online. So what I want to know from your perspective is, how do you look at a team like the Mutineers and with three tournaments remaining going into champs, how do you set up your team, who's had success all season long, but not recently, to set them up to be able to contend and be that top team that they that many people considered them to once be? So we just got to be strong at everyone else's weaknesses, and right now it's S and D. Um, the best teams in the game right now in S and D are like us, LA Gorillas, and Dallas. I mean, they're really really good, and you know that's. That, I mean, Florida doesn't really have any weaknesses, but that's one of their weaker modes. So you know, it's all about being really good at S&D and then trying to steal a respawn against them because right now they are just firing on all cylinders when they get into that tournament mode. And their hard point play is actually one of the smoothest I've seen since like New York and scrims the last couple of weeks too. So they're, they're going to be really hard to take off respawns. So like going into matches against them, we have to be and take both of those, you know, at two, two grand finals ago, we won the S&D, but lost all three mo like respawns. And if we just took one of them, I would have been really confident in that game five. But we failed to do that, and then in this last tournament, um, we even lost the S and D. So it's just we're gonna have to really focus versus them, and you know, come out firing and just play our game and make sure they don't get us all flustered again, so we can do what we've been doing all year long. Is there any concern with the Atlanta team when they look at the success of Florida? Are, is there a lot? Is there a slight decrease in confidence do they talk higher more highly of the mutineers or or is the team still motivated so ninja streamed you know again today he streamed Fortnite with three the of his familiar friends like the tap man like, dr Rupo, we and courage the jd like, they streamed together lot, extensively in the past so we always knew that they were really ninja good new year's and then, uh, at times square really a couple years like, ago the stream started just after 1 p.m eastern and lasted for about 90 minutes but the and important thing the here the is that Ninja reportedly has still not signed an exclusivity deal anywhere, whether that's YouTube, that, Twitch, um, or beyond. That was first last, reported last, by last Rod finals, Slasher Breslau, really who really said well that point, this stream was that. all on Ninja's own accord. If we uh, just wanted to get on and stream and possibly could in the future stream again on YouTube or even on Twitch. So it's important to note that even though Ninja streamed today, it's quite possible that he wanted to test the water a little bit what we did, see what his we'll, numbers we'll be would be like on youtube we'll he already has we'll, a very large subscriber done. base over 23 million subscribers yeah, on say, youtube so like he wanted to, to see what kind of numbers he could generate and he hovered video, around the hundred thousand yeah, to hundred twenty thousand mark for the 90 minutes peaking at 150,000. so that's very impressive i have a full video on this at youtube.com slash espn or like the dom was like the definitive end so that's the thing that sticks in people's mind is like holy Atlanta got smoked. Yeah, um, which I don't blame him because that Dom was just. It was I mean, rough, look at man. It, we, it's we, rough. It got ended in like the first half, and then second half was just 
<laughs> it's just there the technicality, but it wasn't yeah. it wasn't good. I mean, every every team has bad games, right? Which is which kind of funny. Like, chalk it up, right? Like we're we're actually like we were slumping. I don't I don't I don't think we are right now, like currently. But we were slumping, and we were still like taking care of business. Like we were still beating Dallas. We were still beating the teams that were put in front of us. You know, we were still coming in second. So I mean, I'm just happy we were in a really weakened state and still finishing second and still give grabbing points and still staying number one on the points leaderboard. So, I mean, like, even though we might not be number one in the power rankings, we're number one in the rankings, which at the end of the day is what matters. So that's what I'm happy about, at least. So the Florida Meteors are not participating in the Subliners home series. And what is going to happen during the home series, a whole lot of gentlemen's agreements that have been happening uh, for the last several days since the patch dropped in late June. Here we and, go. Uh, yeah. So this is a very, very, very involved topic, uh, w- w- which at the end, not a lot has been GA'd at the end of it, but a lot of discussion has been had and a sequence of events uh, that is very public right now with the likes of Crim6 and others tweeting. And here's Crim6's tweet right now. The only GA that makes sense right now would be to remove all weapon GAs or... <laughs> replicate AWBAL uh, meta, a.k.a. best meta, M4 only for respawn, can snipe an SND, everyone shooting same distance, and everyone killing at the same speed. Let's go. <laughs> Basically, it's like a head-click <laughs> race. Uh, Rambo Ray chimed in as well. This year of COD GA has been a perfect example of why the players shouldn't be in control of the rule set. The fact that a few teams are tossing around new things when they want out on a daily basis nine months into the game without thorough testing slash good reasoning is pathetic. Those are strong Canadian words from Mr. Rambo Ray. And there's Simp. Uh, Austin, did you see this tweet before it went out by chance? Yeah. Rest in peace, pal. Uh, so basically what we're saying here is, yes, this is a very public conversation that is being had. And to be fair... Call of Duty League has really made attempts to avoid talking gen- gentlemen's agreements in the past, <laughs> as uh, some of us may or may not know on this program. But they addressed it head on on the last on the uh, on recent broadcasts. So now it feels very fair game to discuss this, even though perhaps the paradigm may not have shifted within the players, except for what they put out there publicly. Because I'm sure among people who are trying to digest all of this, there's still a little bit of confusion of exactly how we get to this point or how these conversations are had and why exactly it is left to the players to even decide this in the first place. There's a lot to unpack here. So let me start with a general question to you, Austin. Just like, what is your involved, whatever you can tell us, I don't want to put you on the spot whatever you're comfortable with telling us, what has your involvement been with all of these discussions or what have you seen and noticed? And also, what do you make of what's been GA'd? I mean, I, I don't have any involvement in it. It's more like the players, like they have their own chat and then what comes out of that is what comes out of that. It's usually like representatives of each team that are in there. So like we, we'll talk as a team and like talk about scuff and like see if it's broken or not and like talk about why it's being GA'd potentially or if it's overpowered. Because usually at the end of the day, with GA should be for either one is overpowered, which is like how like the Jews, the Uzi with the AE rounds was kind of up there, and like the you know MP5 with 10 mil for the whole entire season was up there, but this never went anywhere. But um, I was the gonna other say reason, that that was actually not GA. <laughs> yeah, and then the other one is to make the game better viewership wise. So that's like 
I'm basically like I consider myself this a glorified fan, basically, because all I do is watch and I just take stats, which at the end of the day isn't that like much towards like the game. But um, I thought, you know, that wasn't like this. This current GAs weren't really much on the viewership level, but it was more because they wanted to keep the same metal that we've been playing on for the last nine months, which is understandable too. That this this came at really late in the game. Um, uh, competitive-wise, not really game-wise. but um, And we have three tournaments the next three weekends, which are really key for all teams involved, and then it's champs. So I understand where that's coming from. But, uh, yeah, that's basically how GAs are determined and how it goes down. So, yeah, uh, most of these GAs are... I mean, I think a lot of them are, are rightful. And a lot of them, you know, some teams are spearheading more than others. Like, I thought auto-tax sprint like, should have been gone, because in my mind, that's a script, just like in, like, uh, CS, like a jump script. I think that's... Mm not meant for competitive um but I, I don't think i think it's tough to ga guns when you know I, I would hope the developer would balance it more but obviously sometimes we have to take that into our own hands and that's what's happened but yeah it's not really my place to say um more of the teams that vote and then how that works out but usually it's majority uh, usually it's like nine to ten votes it has to be but it changes it's usually the flavor of the day yeah, I mean, I have, I have a lot to say about GAs because I actually really, uh, as a as a general rule, like them, especially for something like Modern Warfare, where there's so many issues with the game itself and talking to the developer is next to impossible. Um, and I, I really appreciate, like, the fact that players actually do stand up for themselves in Call of Duty. It's one of the things I like the most about the scene just generally. Uh, especially seeing how players in other esports don't stand up for themselves a lot of the time. Um, that was something that was like super refreshing to see. Uh, so I, I like as a general rule, um, like joke sign aside here, uh, as a general rule, like I love GAs. Uh, I'm sad that they're necessary because it means that there isn't a conversation. Like, again, there's not a healthy conversation between developer and the competitive scene. Um and that varies too, right? Depending on the developer. But as a general rule, the fact that GAs have to be in place means that that conversation is sometimes really fraught, and therefore you have to, you know, you have to GA things in order to make the game playable, or to your point, Austin, to make the game better for for viewership. Um, so moving on to like these specific GAs. I'm actually really torn on these because on the one hand, I would love to see a new gun meta come out as a just as a viewer. I think it'd be really fun to watch. Um, I think it would add a lot of interesting things to what we've seen from Modern Warfare the entire year. Um, however, I do think that again, this is something I run into a lot in League of Legends where I wish the meta would stay more static at times because there's so many elements being introduced a lot of the time there that I I like when things are given a chance to like develop and evolve over time or be perfected over time. Um, so I also understand why this is coming out now because we've already had so many variables that have been within Blizzard's control and then also without Blizzard's control with the with the pandemic with all that stuff going on that they cannot control but has obviously affected teams performance right um so i'm i'm like really torn on this one uh i think like in 
in a situation like this where you only have a few weeks before champs and with the standing so important, like people I think are still, or like something I don't see people talking about is how important it is to finish in that top part of the, mm -hmm. the standings going into champs. It's actually so important the way the tournament is organized, um, especially now that's going to be online instead of land. So, uh, I mean, there's like so much nuance to this. I don't even know how to keep talking about it. But on the on the whole, I I wish that as a viewer and as an analyst, like a person who tries to analyze the game to the best of their ability, that we were seeing different gun compositions because it'd be fun for me to watch. And I'd be really interested to see how that would happen and how that would evolve and how that would develop. However, and, I also I also understand why this is happening, right? Yeah, like I understand both sides of the coin. It's just if this update happened or this meta happened like a month ago, this wouldn't even be an issue. It, it would just have been like a, a something that players would get used to and build on. Because mm -hmm. like having three gun metas, honestly, is in my opinion like the best thing for Call of Duty because it adds like a layer strategy, whether like, so like in this instance, you have the M4 AUG and MP5. So you can find like the, whether you want a one, three, one or one, two, 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 one, you can find like a good combo that you want between all the guns uh, for each map and for each, like how teams play. And I felt like actually a lot of teams like fit that meta like perfectly. Like when I look at London, like I see like one super aggro player and then Dylan. And then I see two players like like Trey and Maddie that are like really good with the Maddox last year that would be really good with the with the AUG. And then I see Wuskins and Shawnee who would like be really good with M4s. So like I thought a lot of the teams would like this meta, but I guess it's just, it's like just on the line of like when there's not enough practice and there's and there's like enough to get used to it. So a lot of these teams are like the you know the value of these last three tenures is huge because you know fifth through eighth for like getting in that upper bracket is wide open still and like I understand that conversation I understand why it's so important on that front it just sucks because like the last week of scrims with it has been like so refreshing <laughs> and like I can actually watch everything not at like double speed so uh, yeah I'm just a little torn on it all like I understand everything but it's just tough because. I feel like the AUG is really, really good for the game and really good for the meta and really good for viewership. But I understand why it's too late, too. So it's tough. Uh, Formal also tweeted, by the way, where he's basically intimating, look, <laughs> like, I don't give my input because this happens all the time. And what does my input mean anyway? Like, at the end of the day, I'm just going to win. So, like, I liked that approach. It's a good but I also... to have, I guess. Confidence. Let me ask this, and I and this may come from a place of, look, I haven't been in the Call of Duty uh, competitive scene for a very long time, but in hearing this, one solution that comes to mind is, why isn't there a well-established player? Let's say a Karma, for example. He just retired, for example, right? I still believe, I'm still holding out on the fact that he might come back with a better title, yes, but I that's, that's a whole that. other conversation. <laughs> we but all like, are hoping, someone, to be honest. Yeah, Someone to his level, right? Someone very well respected in the Call of Duty competitive community, maybe a former player, someone with clout and respect. Why aren't they with the Call of Duty League? Like, why doesn't some of this fall under Call of Duty League for them to deal with the GAs, to have a, somebody there that literally makes this into the rule set as this happens? Like, why isn't that happening? That's a good question. Like, I'll, I'll describe, like, one situation for you. And then, like, we'll talk about, we can talk about how, like, that would fix the, everything that happens. So, like, when a GA gets started, it's usually, like, one to two teams or players, for instance, that really, like, push it. And then, like, usually what it is, it's, it's like, the middle of the pack and, like, lower the pack that really, really, really push it 
to like get like eight you know like you're getting like seven eight votes by that point and then more teams are voting yes for it just because it helps their team and then other teams are helping are voting no just because it hurts their team and then everyone's really conflicted and it's really biased and like it's it's pretty much how every ga vote goes i mean that's how like the ats vote went i mean it was it you know like we were involved in trying to get that gone and then like this past one there were other teams and then it, it felt like everyone was out of sudden like it happened so fast so like having like a committee that would like discuss this and like see the positives and negatives of every vote and then determine it would fix so many issues it would be so great for the scene but it will never i don't think it will ever happen until the league establishes it because the players will never i don't i don't see that ever happening so i am again torn on this issue because i actually think it's really important for players to maintain their own agency separate from the league and separate from the developer i actually think that's super important and again one of the reasons why like as a general rule, I will always stand up for the fact that GAs exist because I like that players have agency. Um, I, As for why the league doesn't step in, I mean, they didn't acknowledge GAs' existence publicly until last week, the week before, two weeks ago. Yeah, it was like ago. two tournaments, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think part of that is probably because they also, uh, I, if I had to hazard a guess given... For this specific game, and again, this is all speculation, so like, don't take my word as law, but um, I would hazard a guess that they have about as much power as players right now in terms of talking to IW about this game and about what they can do about this game. Um, so I think there's also the fact that there's three separate parties here, the, the league itself, the developer and the players. And we've seen this become a sticking point when people talk about like actual legitimate player unions happening in other esports as well, because it's really hard to separate the, the league, which is in a lot of cases run by the game developer. And here it's weird because Call of Duty is its own weird animal where you have three different developers working mm -hmm. on it and rotating. And it's not necessarily under blizzard activision's purview i think one of the biggest mistakes they made actually for the call of duty launch season is not making is was not making sure that it was a developer that they could talk to and have a really good rapport with regarding the competitive scene because it was so important for competition to be really good this year um and and obviously that that conversation didn't happen so well, i do i I do. I was gonna say, I do wonder how much agency the league actually has in talking to IW. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people speculated like last year was supposed to be the year one because of how it was mm. formatted, where you had like 16 teams all season. So like, everyone thinks it was, that was either like a test run, which makes sense too, or that was supposed to be year one, but they want they pushed it back a year to like get everything like perfect. But uh, yeah, I definitely agree. Um, it's kind of tough because, like, I wish it was more like every player had a vote instead of just one player from every team mm. that, that's, like, in, like, this the chat that they have. But I wish, like, every player had a vote so it wasn't, like, so, like, I, I don't know how to explain it. I just wish everyone had a vo the same level of vote, like, voice, not just the there, loudest have the most votes. I feel like there needs to be a solution because what Austin described earlier the fact that like these play not every player is participating and also a lot of the players and in a situation like this where it's very wild west still right like the, how these conversations are being had secretly and and how this is all being decided 
It's all very based on, though they might say if asked publicly, oh, sure, we're thinking of every factor. You're really thinking about yourself and your team and how this will affect you, right? So in that regard, that almost is counter to the competitive integrity of the game itself simply because you need to have what what's best for the... Like, like Spock says, what's best for the many is better than what's best for the few, right? So I guess I, I, I wonder if there is a solution where all parties are involved that everyone would at least be okay with the arrangement because, I mean, it, it seems as though this is always a problem every year. And I wonder, Emily, if this is something that needs to be fixed. So I think regarding competitive integrity, I actually disagree that this specific GA is like anti-competitive integrity because even if teams are asking acting sorry in their best interest it also is maintaining a status quo that's been around for most of the year right so uh in terms of like basically trying to keep the gun meta as static as possible sure. so um I think in this specific situation even though you can make the argument that people are acting in their own best interests which always happens um in this case, I think since it's maintaining a status quo rather than making a change, that this GA doesn't necessarily fall within that. Um, but I mean, I agree that you need like like for something like this to be more like quote unquote fair, you need to make sure that everyone is having a vote, and obviously not everyone's going to agree, right? Like if you're if you're saying it's a rule and majority rules, and that's how you're going with it. You also have to take a look at nuances within that. Like I heard the the decision to run Dom versus CTF was incredibly close, like basically 50-50. Um, and that's not a GA, that's that's with the with the league itself in terms of game mode. So um like it you'd have to also make it a lot more organized so that you'd stipulate what certain rules are in regarding voting and stuff like that. And it would require, I think, a lot more organization that's been, that then is what's happening right now. Um, but again, I'd love to see that happen because uh, in case you yeah. can't tell, I, I love that. I like, again, one of the things I love the most about COD is that players have agency and they, they actually do speak out against things they disagree with. Um, and they do come to the table with, some level of like bargaining clout right that doesn't happen in any other esport and i think it's awesome and i think it should be preserved but like exactly what you're saying there and exactly what you described about the dom ctf conversation that was great communication between the league and the players right why can't that happen for all of this i i, I just the the blueprint is already there so is it because the league doesn't care to do it? Is it because they're just letting the players fend for themselves? Are we still too early in the process? Is this something that's being considered for next season? To me, I just see like we already have a blueprint. We already have an example of the league and players communicating and trying to figure something out, Austin, right? Like, I just feel like yeah. why can't that be replicated and maybe tweaked so that all parties are satisfied with the arrangement such that we deal with all of this when it comes up as opposed to just having these backroom talk GAs that rarely happen in other realms. So to touch on one thing too, I think it's really hard to have a GA mid-season that's fair because you're going to have a lot of biases. Um, for instance, like with this one, some teams were better with the Augs, some teams were worse. And the teams that are worse, obviously are going to want it out. And the teams that were better, are obviously going to want it in. So a lot of times competitive integrity and viewership isn't 
the first thing that pl- people think about. So it's kind of hard. And the other uh, for part two, it's because a lot of these GAs happen really fast. It's not really like a very long like it's not a week long discussion that happens. There's not like a they're not there. It's not a lot of voting. It's just it, it just, it's a discussion that gets sparked and then it goes on for a little bit and then it's usually settled really quick. So there's not a lot that like the by the time the league would know set up a meeting and then get everyone there and then have the results like three GAs have already happened. So it's kind of it would be kind of hard for the league to step in and like do it unless they set precedent and then like actually start doing that. But um, or yeah, they it's... hired somebody to be in the players discord to monitor everything. I don't know. That could happen too. maybe a karma. Maybe karma becomes the director of GA. Do you just uh, want to make karma like the general manager of the league? You just want karma anywhere you can get him. The general manager. I, that's of, what I'm yes. hearing at the end of this entire conversation. <laughs> he's going to be a good coach is what he's going to be. Um, yeah, yeah, he's no so kidding. smart. Uh, before we uh, step away from this, uh, uh, Maddie tries in the chat actually wants a recap of all the... Uh, can you tell us, Austin, what has been GA'd? Like, is there a full list, even private or public? Like, what do we know? What has been GA'd? So off the top of my head... Um, there's only two smokes that you're allowed to have, or no, one smoke, two stuns, two flashes in a respawn game, two smokes in S and D, and that's just because they don't want like because flash. I believe stuns were stronger than flashes at the beginning of the year, and blast uh, the perk three for it didn't really work well. I mean, I still don't think it works very well. So they wanted to limit the the damage that those can be done, and they didn't want smokes everywhere. So that's why they have one smoke and then two smokes for S and D. Um, I believe suppressors were GA'd, but then they ended up getting banned because it increased range, which is the exact opposite of what a suppressor is supposed to do, typically in Call of Duty. Um, the frag bite wounding, which is where if you get shot, you stop healing, got banned really early on. Um, two trophies per team. Uh, shoot. There's not a lot. Um, all the ammo uh, conversion kits, like the 10 millimeter AE rounds for the Uzi, those are all banned. Um, Technically, the AUG is in a gray area right now, I guess. It's pretty much... We don't know close. about the AUG. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much there. Um, there there's actually a decent amount. Uh, Killstreaks, I believe, are all all there. Um, there. There's a lot, but most... I'd say like 90% of them have a reasoning so, to be there. Also, I want to say, just to end on this on this here, we really should have this public then. Like yeah. you just listed like there's, twelve things. I was gonna things. say there's a spreadsheet that I'm trying to find now that I've accessed before. Yeah, it's and like called B has it. Yeah, no, but like yeah. it should be posted so somewhere th- in a blog. Like if we're talking about GAs now, let's make it public so people know, or at least can uh, find out if they want to know. Well, yeah, especially- what should happen is like the players should be like a player. Like I don't even like for my, my team. Like Preston's really good at talking. Like should be making videos explaining to like the fans why it's banned, like what what's wrong with it, why it's not in the meta, like like everything, and like have it crystal clear, and like ha- like make it so it's not like the pros are just sitting in a in a in a circled room just smoking cigars, like <laughs> yep, it's gone, and like like it's so weird right now because like everyone thinks they're like these like secret meetings and it's just gone and no one cares, but like most of the stuff has a reason to be gone and most of the stuff should be gone and like it would take two seconds to make a good video that like explains it to everyone and then it would put all this to bed well and like i think uh to point out an example that i know you and i came up against arda is Mm -hmm. that um with the like uh banned perks versus getting them automatically 
Yes. Like yeah. our video producer did not know the difference. So when we were looking at, I think it was actually Simp's point of view. He's like, isn't he using a band perk? What's the difference between this and what happened to Lacefield? And I had to go into this like long explanation of like, this is this is how G's work. And like, this is why this isn't an actual news story. And there's no way to stop that too, which is actually yeah. kind of funny. Yeah, the, so like, and, and like you first. have to, it's actually the producer for this show, Jared, by the way. So mm -hmm. shout out to him uh, for Let's doing the show Jared. every week and also for noticing that. Um, but yeah, like we had to actually like have a conversation about like, wh why is this so confusing? Because a viewer is not going to know that, right? Like, especially if you're trying to get casual COD players to watch the competitive scene that maybe you're new to it, they are going to wonder like, why is no one using kill streaks when they're being shown on the screen yeah. <laughs> like in the stats screen? <laughs> it's just so weird. Cause like. They have so much. They, I like. I'm always a bit critic at the beginning of the year that they had a lot of free time in the shows and like during the breaks, and they weren't using it for anything. And I was like, wow, I wish they had like a ton of shows. And that's what they've been doing is they've been putting clips in and shows in. And like, I feel like this video, if they made like video about all these G8 or banned things, would take five seconds. And like more public players that are watching would fully understand. Like, yes. okay, that's why they're not using that because the guy in the head glitch with a thermal LMG would just—it's <laughs> yes. not fair. And like, we don't want competitive to be like your pub match and like that's it would take five seconds it would be so useful it's just something that i don't think they've gotten to yet not only should we have those informational videos but i just thought of it this is how we deal with ga's moving forward live stream youtube.com slash call of duty league one player from each <laughs> team sitting around or in a zoom call during they the better pandemic. be smoking cigars in <laughs> dark smoking cigars okay they're in like what are those like the smoking jackets they're sitting down some of them have a pipe and they're discussing it and they all have accents for some reason like we don't know why but they do and they're discussing each point one by one and they go around voting raise your hand and like and then someone comes in and writes down the ga that was made and then walks away like it's a two-hour live stream everyone's gonna watch it it's gonna be, be hilarious i'd watch that I want them to happen in the beginning of years, so it just make it so we can start off like really clean. <laughs> but the problem is, is like, also like, not a lot of pros like experiment with like a lot of stuff. So like, no one knew that the Uzi G or um, AE rounds were really really disgusting until like the MP5 got nerfed, and then everyone's like, oh my god, mm -hmm. these are amazing. And then it's like, I, the, like I don't even know there could be another overpowered gun in that we could use and I don't even know like I've heard the bison is really really good but I don't I haven't tested all the attachments I don't know so like who knows like next week you might be hearing another G discussion for like the bison or something which is like really hard and then you well, have like we, all the DLC guns it's that's a ton well we no, we have an idea of what guns we may or may not see in our next home series. Let's end the show previewing the New York Subliners home series happening July 10th to 12th. Here are the standings, by the way, going into the season series or the home series, I should say. So for all the talk about the Florida Mutineers and how great they've been lately, it's really the season results that are talking in this number here. Now, yes, they are knocking on the door first place. They did vault over the Huntsman and Empire, did the Florida Mutineers. But of course, your Atlanta Fays are remaining atop the standings with 230 points. And we did discuss how important it is to stay in this half of the standings as we take a look at the bottom half and many of these teams are in action the minnesota rocker um who round out 
the bottom of the top five are in action. The London Royal Ravens are in action. The Subliners are hosting the series and the Paris Legion there as well on top of the Toronto Ultra and LA Gorillas. So there is a lot of teams here that occupy the bottom half of the standings, but some of them have had some great performances, Emily. So I wonder if this is going to be another series, especially with Florida not participating, where we may see some of those teams really emerge and collect some good points. So yeah, I know we're going to do like group previews, but I'm looking at these groups and it's really heavily weighted towards Group B in terms of like, Group B is going to be such a slugfest because you have uh, three of those like, uh, I don't know if bubble teams is the right word, but like you have London, the Subliners, and then you have Minnesota in a in a group with Chicago. That is going to be like, you know, it's basically like a cage match. Uh, and then you have Paris, Toronto, LA Gorillas, Toronto, uh, I never know where I stand on them because like this is a good chance for them to get out of this group, right? Uh, depending on how they perform, but they've been really inconsistent. And then LA Gorillas are insane on S&D right now. Like they're such a dangerous team because of that, I think. Um, so they're really interesting to me. And then Atlanta, who, you know, uh, I think... Even with all the stuff we've said about subliners looking better, I think London has had a lot of unlucky uh, occurrences for them that uh, I think would, if they had gone another way, they'd have more points. Um, I still think it's probably going to come down to Atlanta and Chicago, but I don't know. We've been denied that uh, more than a few times, so we'll have to see. How has your team been scrimming and preparing yeah, so for these this? These groups often? actually... Group B is insane. Like, actually insane. Yeah. I think Group A is kind of hard, too, honestly, because, like, uh, even our first-round matchup, like, lag, like, is actually... Mm -hmm. They have the same strength we do mm -hmm. with S&D. So they actually match us pretty well because, like, something could easily go wrong. I mean, they took down Chicago and they took us to map five, so that's not a walk in the park. And actually, Toronto is, like, one of my favorite sleeper teams. Like, I think they're really, really good, and they just get so unlucky once they have to close out. So that's really affected them all that's, year. But that sounds like team, Toronto sports in yeah. general. That's that's every Toronto yeah, yeah, uh, competitive team. Um, what about uh, so? Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. So yeah, go, going into the event though, like we're actually playing like a lot better than what we were, and we've been preparing a lot more. That what well, I mean, we're preparing the same way, but we're we're feeling more confident going in, I guess. And like I feel like we've learned from a lot of the mistakes that we've had, and. Uh, like, I'm hoping this is the tournament where we come out and look like we did at the beginning of the season where we're just firing in all cylinders. cylinders. And I feel like definitely, like, if we're going to do it, we have to make a statement with this bracket because a lot of people on the surface are going to think, like, this is a really bad group and we should walk all over everyone. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we just can't overlook any team and just make sure every game is, like, going to be a statement match for us and just keep going. Are there any teams that you've scrimmed with that are in the tournament? I know that usually teams kind of shy away from scrimming teams in their particular groups, but are there any teams that have impressed you leading up to this that are competing? I mean, we scrimmed Toronto today, and uh, for them, I mean, I don't know like what they've done this year, but they've been growing like throughout the year, and uh, I think th this is probably going to be like one of those tournaments where they make it out of groups and like make a statement going into like the semifinals at least i hope so because i've been rooting for them I, like i i'm i'm i like nick uh, classic a lot and uh i, I even like kleenex because he's been he was really impressive last last tournament but they have a lot of good players like even bands like all of their players are actually really good and like slept on so i'm hoping they they do well we scrim them um 
on our side of the other than Toronto on our side of the uh, groups, not much. But I mean, we scrim London, Minnesota, and and New York all the time. They're probably the three teams we scrim the most, and we scrim them for a reason. And that's because they're like they're really good practice and they're really good teams and they play really soundly. So like, I expect London to come out on all cylinders. And uh, yeah, I mean, I always predict New York to do good, but <laughs> New York kind of always lets me down. <laughs> So <laughs> this time I'm going to go with London. They're, they're like so fire in scrims that they're so good. Everyone's like, they're so dangerous. They're so dangerous. They're, they like kick our butts in scrims and I want to see it on, on stage. Like, I, I don't understand. Like sometimes it confuses me so much. Like I, I'll watch them in like a, in a match and I'm like, Oh, they got this easy. And like, they, they drop it. And I, I'm like so confused because I actually, I mean, we play them two, three times a week, and I see like how like sound they play hard point and domination, and I just don't know what happens mid game in some of these tournaments because if they play how they practice, they would be winning tournaments, which is the crazy thing to say. But that, I guess there's something blocking them. I guess maybe it's the anxiety of competition or something because how do you go from being so good at scrims then underperforming? in the tournament themselves that has to be a mental thing like my theory is like they play at such a high level like in practice that like when teams like some teams don't play at a high level in practice and then when they get into like tournaments that like they kick it into like a new gear like florida for instance is like that team that like they get into to tournaments and it's just like it's a completely different florida than what you just practice against so i just yeah, I feel like that has to be it because I, uh -huh. I don't really understand. Maybe Emily, this is the whole uh, LPL uh, approach. There, uh, every other okay, team. Okay, LPL is teams actively trolling each other. In <laughs> Maybe scrims. they're trolling that's, New York. That's Maybe that's what's different. happening. That's different than than not than not showing up on stage or not not practice, not playing as hard in scrims. I do um, think we see this like occasionally from teams in every esport, right? And in, in terms of the difference between scrim to stage, it's something that a lot of people talk about, especially in terms of playing looser uh, and more more aggressively, which sometimes you need to do in order to win. Um, that's where I see it the most referenced is like, oh, we're going like super, super hard in scrims because we're really proactive and we're really aggressive and we're getting all like the first like spawn rotations or whatever. And then when it comes to, uh, when it comes to stage, either spawns don't go your way, which is just unlucky or, um, and not, unfortunately not much you can do about that, but, uh, or like we're not being as aggressive, we're hesitating a bit and a, a few seconds of hesitation really costs you in COD, so. It's almost like what kind of what happened to us at the beginning of the year, where like you're winning everything in practice and you're playing super well, and then you get into a tournament and like something goes wrong and you're actually down, and it's like not you're not used to playing down as often, so it's like a new area, and uh, you just gotta, you I guess you just gotta learn from your mistakes, and that's something I hope New York's doing, and I hope they come out firing this tournament because I I love all the players on the team, and I want them to do good, so just not good against us. Ah, fair enough. Uh, so, a, a team that has pl uh, been playing decidedly better, obviously, the New York Subliners. We've been talking about them as a team that could contend for a tournament win in the back half of the season. We were saying the exact same thing at the start of the season of the Minnesota Rocker, and we have not been saying that about them in particular since the move to online. I had a chance to speak with uh, the head coach of the Minnesota Rocker, Brian Saint, and I asked them what has happened since the online transition that the Rocker have not been able to garner the results that they once had? 
Let's talk about your team. Uh, at one point in the season, especially on land, they were the team that people were considering to be the best of the rest, the one that will break through. Mm -hmm. They're due for a tournament victory. And that chatter has sort of waned a little bit since the, the league went online. Uh, what do you make of your team's recent performances? Um, yeah, it, it was just a lot of mindset and mentality with us. Kind of one thing switched to online. Uh, you had players like Goddard and Alex who were just in their first grand final, you know, felt so good about the team and our ability to, you know, win a tournament, win their first LAN. And then when everything switched to online, it really hurt them because they were like, even if we go and win our first tournament, it's going to be online. No one's going to care. Like we were this close to winning our first tournament, never been in this position before. And I think it really hurt their mindsets in particular. And I think everyone on the team, too, took a took a big hit to online at first, uh, especially being under the impression that, you know, it's only going to be like this for a little bit, and then we're going to go back to playing lands again. But uh, once we kind of came to the realization that this is how things are, this is how things are going to be, I think we really started, you know, changing the way we look at things. And uh, it was really showing going into our Minnesota event before Alex got hurt. But uh, right now, I feel like we're doing better than ever. What is the situ uh, What is the update on Alex right now? Is he recovered? Uh, yeah, or is no, he... he's he's good. He's been playing with us for okay. uh, two weeks now. He just goes to physical therapy uh, once a week. So that was that was an interesting situation too. I know you gave an update to us and also on the Twitter mm -hmm. account. Just the idea of how that was discovered mid tournament in a way. Yeah, uh, we it was kind of you know in the back of our mind for like a day or two leading up because his dip in a uh, scrims that week was just really sharp from the uh, week prior when we were just constantly winning, winning, winning. So when we really took a dive in to see what the issue was, uh, we realized it was definitely regarding him. And after talking to him a little bit, we kind of find out, found out the day before uh, he wasn't doing too well, but he wanted to try sticking it out and playing the match. He, he warmed up with us that day and said, you know, he was feeling good enough to play. But uh, by the time the match rolled around, it was uh, pretty evident that he was nowhere near his peak. So that was our latest edition of Coach's Corner. You can find the full 30-minute interview at youtube.com slash ESPN Esports. Also, Emily's full interview with Havoc will also be there. Uh, let's finish the show on this. Let's get some predictions. Let's get some thoughts uh, on how we think this series will unfold. I think we already know your answer is easy, Mac. Let me ask it this way. Uh, other than your team, which teams are you looking at here and saying, you know what, I can see a good run out of them? Uh, from our group, Toronto. Uh, I expect them to make it out with us. And then from the other group... Um, I think uh, London and New York, but I hate saying New York because they vote me down so much, but I think London is definitely my number one pick out of them. I think they could easily make a huge run coming out of out of that group. Um, I think Chicago is, obviously Chicago is a very good team, but I think London just surprises a lot of people with their pacing and like how, how good all all five players are. Like Everyone thinks they have a weakness, but they actually play so well together that it just everything works. And they just all move as a, as a unit and <laughs> all the respawns just work. So um, I expect them to be a tough matchup for every single player or team in that, that other group. And I expect them to make it out and, and make a run into the finals, honestly. Emily, your predictions? God, I, I kind of, I, I hope I'm not predicting the same thing, but I hope that Austin's right, actually, because I would love to see London do well. This is a roster that I've been rooting for since I I first saw them. I think they're just so entertaining and and the way that they play is really entertaining and fun um and they've had a string of like really terrible luck uh across the past two tournaments so or even longer than that i think but um yeah for a while uh, yeah uh 
But I think, you know, they, uh, especially since uh, Z- they picked up Zero, I've really loved watching this lineup. Um, I'm s- ah, I think it's going to be Chicago. <laughs> and uh, I- I'll-, I'll still go with New York uh, again, because they're like this. This group is full of teams. That I just really want to see them perform. At like you want to pick everyone. But yeah, it's so exactly. Hard. Uh, I'll go Chicago and New York coming out. I still want, I want my phase Huntsman final. Like I want it. Like, please give it to me from this tournament. Um, I think it's going to happen finally. And then Maybe in group a, a, yeah, in group A, I'm uh, actually really torn between Toronto and the gorillas. I I'm going to go with gorillas here. I think they're a really dangerous team actually. Um, and I think they've been surprising a lot of people, obviously with how strong their S and D has been. Um, but also I think they've just been improving incrementally that this is a good group for them to, you know, prove that they have maintained that steady improvement. Um, I think I used improvement like five times in the same sentence there. And then obviously I think the, the phase are going to get out since I predicted an Atlanta Chicago final. It's funny how we have essentially talked about every single team in this tournament, except for Paris. And it happens every time on this show. But Paris, to be fair, never really give us any reason to believe that other than Warzone that first week in Warzone weekend where they camped the house and won the whole thing, they don't give us much of a reason to predict that they will go far in tournaments based on their results. And it's so sad, too, because they actually have a really, really good coaching staff. Yes. Like, built from, like, head to toe. So, like, they always come in with, like, the basics down right. And I feel like, like, it's usually, like, one player just underperforms in, in, like, a series or a tournament. And it just bounces them all out of whack. And, like, every time they have an opportunity to make, like, a statement, it, like, just doesn't go their way. And then they just keep falling down and down the rabbit hole. And now here we are where the last time they actually made, like, a big statement was, like, I think, like, London at the beginning of the year. So that seems like a lifetime ago at this point. It was so long ago. It's been several lifetimes ago. (laughs) So that's uh, our predictions and our thoughts about the New York Subliners home series. Of course, it's happening this weekend. We'll break it all down next week on our weekly Call of Duty League show here on ESPN Esports. Search and Destroy happens every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern. We'll end on this a little bit of Warzone. Apparently, you can drop your weapons in the lobby and then pick them up in the main round, according to Tim the Tapman, who apparently uh, is just breaking the game left, right, and center. So good for Tim. Uh, Tim, by the way, was streaming with Ninja today. Ninja surprising everybody and streaming today. That's a whole other conversation. He wasn't streaming Warzone, obviously. But uh, yeah, he just showed up on YouTube. He's like, yep, you know what? I'm not signed anywhere just yet, apparently, but I'm just going to stream. But going back to this, uh, he apparently is breaking the good good for you tim way to find those way to find those those glitches and way to expose them on twitter so uh Can you even what, drop I, guns in console i, I don't is know that only a pc thing might be a pc I, thing i was gonna I've say i dropped a gun I, yeah i play in console and i have not i'm a, I'm a pc amazing. guy so i'm gonna i'm also this. bad so I just love the, like, Austin, we talked about this as well. Like, Warzone Weekend with, like, the Sports Center style plays where you're, like, putting C4s in a helicopter or, like, into a yep. vehicle and driving it towards your opponents. Like, I love that. I want a highlight packs of that. That's why Warzone Weekend is, is one of, it has quickly become something I actually really enjoy watching. So, I kudos love to it. Call of Duty League. It's great. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Duos so, this week is, is really, really good. Is it? Honestly, okay. yeah, this was one of nice. my favorite. More I, from what I've heard, it's it's okay, gonna be really spoil, really good. Spoil it for us. Who wins? 
Oh, I can't tell you that. It's too good. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, we're going to enjoy it. And by the way, uh, speaking of Warzone, the biggest Warzone streamer in the world is Nick Merckx. Uh, we actually had a chance to speak with him on his stream today. That is also available at youtube.com slash ESPN Esports. But that'll do it for us here. Good vibes, acts of kindness. We'll be back next week for another edition of Search and Destroy. Enjoy the Subliners weekend, everybody.